Monday was like prostitute day um, because everybody got busted over the weekend. Wow. This <laughs> no, is the wow. kind of content I come to this podcast for. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today in our third chair, we welcome uh, Sam. Sam, Derek taught me how to say your name last night and I forgot it. <laughs> Shamelin. Shamelin. Oh! It's like Chain Berlin without the B-E-R in the middle. Okay, that's just Shame. more confusing. Today we welcome my friend Sam. Sam! <laughs> you know, you should not have followed that up with uh, my friend. <laughs> my husband had to teach me how to say your name. My I mean, friend. how often do you really say your name? dude I invited to my house once. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't, okay. Today in our third chair, we welcome Sam Chamberlain. Your friend. My friend. Actually, Derek's friend, but I just claimed him as mine anyway. That's all good. Sam is a UCC pastor in Carroll County, Maryland. He's co-host of the Food and Faith podcast with our co-host, Derek, and Anna Wolfenden. He is the founder of Keep and Till, a community of faith and farming, also in Carroll County. Good to have you on the show. Good to meet you, man. What's up? Thank you very much for having me on. Good to finally right. hang out with y'all. Uh, you can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to some extended interviews with special guests, some before and after the show video of our banter. Um, in true to form, I'm already a week behind, but don't worry, I'll get it up there. You can visit patreon.com slash btlive to get started. Big thank you to all our current patrons who are sticking with us over the break. Welcome back. And if you would like one of these fancy pub theology tumblers which i'm holding up for no one to see because this is an audio podcast but you can see what they look like if you go to our facebook page and watch our uh, happy hour show for the end of last season um it's not too late we have some more donate 25 dollars to nokidhungry.org this is an organization that has been really important especially during these covid times when the lines at food banks have been super long uh, they need all the help. They are a national organization, and their work is visible everywhere. So you send them $25 or more, uh, DM us a pic of your donation, the receipt, the proof, and we will, and your address, and we will mail you one of these fancy, super-duper sweet Pub Theology pint tumbler. This is a pint, right? It's a pint glass. Pint yeah. glass. It's a pint glass. All right. I'm from a metric country now. Yeah. We don't Anyways. tumble. Tumblers are different. There you go. <laughs> this is, a, uh, I, I don't know. There you go. So you can join the conversation with us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, PT Live, and coming soon, coming probably to, the next episode. To a Facebook near you. To a Facebook near you. We will be live streaming our recording. We are putting the live back in Pub Theology Live. If any of you 
our hold honors from the earliest days when we used to uh, live stream on Facebook. All like four of you that watched when it happened. Still love you. Um, we are going to bring the live back. We had a lot of folks uh, watching our, our happy hour show live. So we thought it would be a good idea to bring it back. Um, and just remember, no judgment. It's five o'clock somewhere anytime that we record. So stay tuned for more information about that. Today, we discuss an online world and pay tribute to the notorious RBG. Um, Sam, you are our special guest. What are you drinking today? Ah, Well, this is the worst time to invite me because (laughs) I'm almost wrapped up a whole 30, which means not only am I not having a beer today, I haven't had a beer in like three weeks, which is not great. Um, but so, but I'm almost there. And for today, um, I have um, in my Mandalorian, this is the way mug uh, nice. handmade. Um, I have some Black Rifle Coffee Company um, coffee. So I have an organist who is in love with this organization. They hire a ton of vets, do a ton of good stuff. So she keeps bringing me all these Keurigs and leaving them in, in my in my office, which I kind of hate because like being like the environmental, like let's not make a lot of trash guy. The Keurig's not great, (laughs) but in COVID like that, that is the one vice. Like that is the one thing I'm like, I'm just, I'm not fighting this right now. Go grab me a Keurig because I got to drink about 20 cups of coffee a day. So right now I am, and I'm doing my penance elsewhere. So I've got some Black Rifle coffee in my Mandalorian mug. Cheers. Cheers, Ogan. What you got today? Um, I'm 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 still moving through my uh, collection of frescas from Spicket River Brewing Company down the street um, in Lawrence, Massachusetts. A hoppy lager. It's really not that hoppy because yeah, you know I don't like the hoppy beers, but I this one's not. actually nice and uh, refreshing. I don't remember if I drank this last week or not. It was a whole seven days ago, so I don't know. Two weeks ago? I don't know. Last I know, week. we I know you've had it because. I really wanted it to be a grapefruit beer because it's Freshka and it wasn't and it freaked me out. So, so I am bringing back a favorite from last fall. Um, so I've had on the show, but it's been a year. So this is union brewing Foxy IPA. Um, you know, I don't like the hoppy either, but this is, this is a delicious, delicious beer. Um, and as in union style, it's got this great little tag on it. So, Northern Native American tribes believed that the red fox was wise and noble messenger. Other tribes saw her as a dangerous prankster. Foxy Red IPA is a bit of both. This sly creeps out of her den in the night air, gets just a little chill, and the autumn leaves begin to turn. Don't be fooled by the color of the Pacific Northwest hops bursting in their piney and fruity resins, combined with this rich red ale to create a perfect balance of juicy hops, bready malt, to, and bready malts to con, to usher, I almost made it, right? To no. usher you gently into the colder months. This is a seasonal IPA, won't be around for long, so catch her if you can. You know what, about halfway through that, I was like, wow, I'm reading this really small print without my glasses, great. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I couldn't see a thing. You, you drink yourself, you drink yourself. Two things, one, Somebody is really putting their creative I writing mean, degree to good use. So hard. Sam probably knows, but Ogan, you know of Union Brewing Company. It's black yep. owned black owned brewery here in Baltimore. Yep. And like they have the best um can art. They have the best descriptions. Um I was gonna drink on the show. They did a um, you know, all these breweries are doing these black is beautiful 
um, porters, mm -hmm. but I don't care for a porter. So Derek may drink it next time he's on. I like me a good porter. Uh, yeah, um, me too. So yeah. And the second thing is we're updating your bio with that because that is right. That's all you right there. <laughs> that's the bio we're reading for you every show from now on. I can't, I can't even, I can't drink this beer without singing Wayne's World like in my head. Like, Shannon Meacham, AKA Red Fox. I went right. with a, I went with Red a late Fox. comedian. That's the first association I made, but I'm like, nope, that's, that's you. Yeah. Mm. So can, can I, can I ask a beer question? Yeah. I've been, I've been looking for somebody to ask this question to forever and you two <laughs> as theologians and as fellow drinkers, I need somebody's opinion on the proliferation of sour beers. Mm. How are you feeling about that? Brian's your guy. We are not, we are not. Brian's you are your not. guy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Brian's your guy on sour beers. Cause I was, I am, I, and I'm still all out on the let's, let's create as many IPAs as we possibly can. Like that whole movement never made sense to me. Um, but the sour thing I'm kind of, I'm kind of down with. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't hate them. Right. But oh, if, I'm gonna, them. If, if I'm going <laughs> to, if I'm going to go out one night and drink a bunch of beer, like I'll drink that first and I'm getting like a 12 ounce. Yeah. And then that's it. I'm done. I can't, I can't do, can't do more than that. I just, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just collecting the information around, you know, all these, all these sours out there, which I'm, I'm very much enjoying, but I'm not sure if everybody else is. So figured I'd ask nope. you guys. Nope. My, no, I know people that like them. We are not the people to talk to. Okay. And I have very similar beer tastes actually. So yes, 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 we do. We do. Which is, which makes it nice when we hang out, you know, when we can do such things. So when we can do such things. Exactly. So Sam, that time will us, come again. Give us the elevator pitches about food and faith and about keep and till before we get started. Yeah, sure. So um, just very quickly, um, you know, being in the United Church of Christ, my my own personal passion is for rural ministry. Um, I grew up on a dairy farm. So rural life, country life, farm life, all that stuff makes sense to me. Um, and for me, having having that life connected to my spirituality was just again, it just kind of makes sense for me. Like, like, and, and there are, and it seems to me at times they run on parallel tracks. Like there's a rhythm to the, to farm life. There's a rhythm to our spiritual life um, that is punctuated by crisis and catastrophe and celebration and all these kind of things. So, so much of my own faith is sort of, if sort of drawn from that. And so for me, I'm, I'm all, I'm always trying to explore, like, what does it, what does rural and farming, what, what do rural and farming communities still have to contribute to our larger conversations around faith, um, around justice issues? What is kind of hidden out in these, in these areas that sometimes we forget about um, that can contribute back to the much larger conversations that we're having? And so both the podcast and, and uh, Keep Until are, are my best attempt to try to answer those questions in real time. Um, and so the keep until we said, we're just going to practice ag agriculture as an expression of spirituality um, and as a way of connecting with the creator. Um, and so we build our liturgies, we build our liturgical calendars um, and our work just around being out, out in the garden, developing food and donating it. Um, we don't pretend that we're feeding the world or anything. Um, we don't pretend that we're solving any problems. We're simply trying to we're trying to get to know God and our neighbor through that through that practice. Um, and so, trying to trying to develop that and doing it with a a fantastic group of colleagues that we've discovered through that process. And that is that has been so much fun. Um, and then the podcast is basically that same thing, just looking at environmental issues, e ecology issues, looking at agricultural issues through the lens of faith. Um, as we were sharing before, um, this food justice conversation seems like a good stepping off point for every other conversation. And so um, so we just use food as part of the podcast to have conversations around 
literally everything or <laughs> it feels like everything at times. So, yeah. um, so that's what we're up to just trying and, and trying to bring that to a, a, a rural area, bring, you know, bring ideas of justice, you know, to folks who have, haven't thought about that before. So that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what I enjoy doing. Um, and that's what I enjoy sharing as part of my vocational ministry. So, Sweet. so I, I admit I have not listened to your podcast. I will. I haven't listen. either. I just edit it. After today, that's what I tell them too. They're I like, don't do listen you to listen, ours either. Do you yeah, listen to your podcast? I'm like, no, I was on it when it happened. I don't even go it's back fine. Into it. So we're yeah. in the same boat. Um, but I was barely so, present when it happened the first exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> so on ours, because pub theology, we drink. Do you guys eat on the Food and Faith podcast? Ooh. And if not, why not? We what are you, we don't, like, but we should. That should be your open. Like we're like, what are you drinking today? You should be like, what are you eating today? Yeah, sample. Oh, right, well, nice. and, and, and we have talked about. I mean, we we've been talking about this so. Anna, one of my co-hosts, um, is so beautifully organized and from A to Z kind of thinking. And so, I mean, everything, we try to map everything out really good to introduce food and like food in the mouth and all that. Like that's, that's going to take a whole culture change, but why we, why not? I have no idea. We are hoping <laughs> this year cause Derek's like, um, yo, let's go eat. Like, let's have the podcast, take us to some half decent restaurants and we'll just record from there. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of wisdom we don't have on this pod yet. So, uh, so as soon as COVID lifts and we can do this somewhat re- re- reasonably without without fear we'll you must be tired of my cooking make that happen covid covid mobid <laughs> i've had enough that's for sure i'm an amazing cook <laughs> we we only we only hit 200,000 deaths today covid covid mobid oh god help I, yeah. so i i don't love the opening question but here it is what's the craziest thing you've worn on a zoom meeting yeah that's an interesting question so i have I have one answer and then I have an answer that I'm hoping to do here soon. So I'm like, if I'm going to get on, so like, so one of the things we've done here at St. Mary's, cause I was concerned about this. We have to shut worship down. So I was like, actually, we're going to do more church, not less church in COVID. So back in March, I said, well, we're going to do daily prayer. And at the time that was for three weeks. I said, we're going to do daily prayer every single I, day. I totally called that. All you people that were like, we're doing something daily. I was like, they are going to regret that so fast. <laughs> I don't regret because- it yet. And even at that point, I was like, because even if it ends in three weeks, everybody's going to be like, we loved it. You could do that every day. Oh, yeah. And we're kind of screwed at that point at, at, yeah. at, at, at this point. But but um, but I have literally been on camera every single day since I think it was like March 13th, um, Good God, man. which no. which brings it which vocationally brings a whole different set of questions to bear. Um, but I, I, we do our daily prayer one at seven o'clock in the morning. So I usually wake up, I get a shower to try to put nope. my hair in some semblance of order. Look, and then look, I'm like, look, look who's flexing now. I just, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Every single day. Um, that's a, but I'm that's like, a pre-show throwback. If you, <laughs> if you want to know what that meant, sign up for Patreon. <laughs> so, so I'm like, all right, well, I, I just put on a t-shirt. I love long sleeve t-shirts. I'd wear them every day if I could. So I usually throw on a long sleeve shirt and then I'm like, you know what? Nobody cares what I'm wearing underneath. Um, and so I have this pair of pajama pants that my, my, my wife likes to get us a matching set of pajamas every year for Christmas. I don't get it. It's not my it's not my jam. Bad you don't pun. Need to. I'm just like, you just why, need to why put we... on the pajamas. And then, and then there's pictures of all this. I'm like, why, why are we doing this? Um, every once in a while, they're the most uncomfortable things ever. And every once in a while, they are the most comfortable pants in the world. And so I have this one from like 2012, these pair of like really fraying Christmas pajama bottoms that I wear with some regularity now on this zoom call. Um, I finally told my congregation that I wear them. So they're, they all think it's hysterical now, but yeah, 
that's probably the worst thing I've worn at this point. I mean, that's it for me, right? Like, I, I it's my pajamas on. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Probably the most daring I've been is to not wear a bra. Like, you know, because, but I've had to like, you know, angle the thing up <laughs> so you can't wow. tell what's going on. But like, really, that's it. Like, and even then that's back when it's winter and you're in big sweatshirts or whatever, you know, exactly. like right. I, you can't. So, no, I mean, I, I don't know. Ogan, have you worn a chicken suit or anything? Uh, no, I have not done anything yeah. crazy. I was, I was like five seconds from showing up in a Zoom call without a shirt on. That oh no, 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 no. That uh, listen, I've been working out. These I, pecs. Listen, say, I know you have. These pecs. So I know we're you still are. flexing, is what you're saying. Still flexing. <laughs> oh my. Uh, yeah. So usually when I it uh, wasn't that kind of Zoom call. <laughs> well, the question didn't ask what kind of Zoom call it was, did it? Now I have questions. <laughs> that was my follow-up. It's like, well, which Zoom meeting are you referring what, to? <laughs> what Zoom call were you using? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so usually, like, you know, when I do my Sunday talk, I put up a screen. I got, like, some prayer flags and stuff. And so sun, so we pre-record the service on Saturday. And then I set it back up on Sunday morning. We do a live Zoom hospitality thing. And this was like during the summer. I'm not running the air. It was kind of hot. It was humid. So, so before I put the shirt on, I'm setting things up and all that sort of stuff. And then I sit down and I start the call. And it's only when the camera starts working and I see myself, I'm like, holy crap, I don't have a shirt on. <laughs> Fortunately for that, nobody else was on the call yet. Otherwise, that would have been an interesting hospitality but it just like it just slipped my mind to, to put the shirt on um yeah. but it I, may it may have been unconsciously me going like you know what i just did like 80 push-ups that morning i'm swole let's let's show the people what's <laughs> happening but uh it was never intentional so this isn't about my clothing no, this isn't about like an embarrassing thing that i wore but one of the things that i had to um make i still have to sometimes make sure that I do. We have a Tuesday evening check-in and a Thursday morning Bible study. And I have to make sure I change clothes. So I'm not wearing the same uh, thing for both of those. And that's been my biggest zoom wardrobe dilemma. <laughs> that's fair. It is the only reason. It's like, come it on. The only reason I take a Sunday selfie uh, on Sunday mornings, like I'll post the link to our talks and I've, and I've done this like for years uh, to to get people to watch our live stream and stuff like that is you know I'm not a big selfie person but I did it every Sunday morning and the primary reason was that the following week I'm like what am I wearing today what did I wear last week I have proof <laughs> but uh, seriously because um, welcome to being remember. a woman Ogan that <laughs> like every week I'm like wait what did I wear last week what did I wear the week before okay I have to wear something new like that's just what we have to do whatever anyway it's not fair. All right, so so let's let's jump in. Um, Sam, you you um, are a, a tiller of the land. Um, this is from Leviticus uh, twenty three twenty two. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord, your God. I love how, he, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. I am the Lord, your God. Speaking um, of I say, damn it. Yeah. 
is my son. Listen to him. No. Anyway, so what is the role of individuals, communities, and churches in caring for the poor and addressing poverty and how did shortages? Um, and what what does the state come into play in all of this for you? Like where we're, we're going to admit it, move to like the court system and Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg and like, what's our responsibility in this? Not just as people, but as society, I guess, I think is where that's going. Yeah. Um, and one of the cool things that, that has, as I've explored, you know, sort of how land works and how creation functions in our theology. Um, anytime we talk about land, we always need to go back to, well, who owns that land and what is, what is the nature of that land? Um, and so when he says, when, when, when the writer says, when you reap the harvest of your land, like whose land is that? Well, it's actually this really heavily layered, um, responsibility that happens with it. So there, so there are individual families or individuals who have responsibility for a particular plot of land. And so there is this call for an individual farmer or a grower to say, Hey, listen, you're not allowed to harvest everything. Um, because we need you to have a mindset larger than yourself. Um, but then also this land, these, these individual farms are kind of up against one another in sort of these, these tribal areas, um, which call, you know, which is kind of a, another layer up in terms of government. Um, but then finally, we, we can read this in the context of your land. Well, it, the entire land is this gift that is part of the covenant that is, that is from God. And so ultimately, the owner of the land is not any of the individuals who happen to be on it, but it's God. Um, I, and that, the earth and is that the ultimate, Lord's and all of it they're in yeah. right like yeah yeah and so so when you think about it in in those terms you know be, and step outside of a sort of our own individualistic kind of land owning you know paradigm that we work with here um all all of a sudden you see that the responsibilities that are put in here um to not glean up to the to not not reap up to the edges of your field but allow for gleaning um those responsibilities are really individual local and national responsibilities um and so playing playing that out is what gets to be fun like how do we do that like how do, how do we respond to this but it's clear that the people of israel um and the nation of israel were responsible for um the poor and the foreigner um and that i think is the most challenging call of of, of this passage for us today and and it's interesting because we live in a nation that clearly does not value the poor and the foreigner. In fact, the whole ethos of American culture is it's not good to be poor. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get out of that. And quote unquote, the American dream is the moving up the ladder. Mm -hmm. So so being there is a bad thing. And and that's all that's antithetical to this. When and and the other thing that comes in for me in this is that you know, I'm I'm no fan of the prosperity gospel, but this is a prosperity gospel verse. So this is this is an abundance gospel verse. This is this is you have more than enough in your field that you can leave some for people who have less than you and everybody will have. That is that is divine abundance right there. Okay, that's true prosperity, not yes. prosperity gospel, which is very different. Right, exactly. I would actually say this is the opposite of prosperity gospel. Right. It's true prosperity. And that's right? why that's why I changed hey, the name. Hey, guess abundance. what? I have given you yeah. enough. I have given you so right. enough that you have enough for others. Exactly, yeah. e exactly. That's, the, that's... I, you, I have given you so much of enough that, that there is... There, 
there is room, right? We like the memes that go around, like there is room enough, like it's not pie, you know, like there's not going to be, we're not going to run out of things. And you know, it's, it's, it's this, right. There's, there's enough room and we're going to get into this uh, about opinions and debate and whatever later, but like, there's enough room for all of it in, in God's world. Um, And not only is there enough room, today there's enough there's more than enough of everything we have we have a problem of distribution and yes. we have a problem of hoarding yes you like we yes. address those two things and we won't have any there there, we, there won't be scarcity yep. you know the first the first time i heard about food justice from our denomination and it's a multi-denomination i know the lutherans are part of it and and, and i don't remember it's who all's a part of it but the the program was called there is enough right and it was based on the not just the biblical idea of things like gleaning, but like it was based on the reality that in the entire world, there is enough food to feed everyone. There is enough shelter for everyone. There is enough, there are enough resources for everyone if we were able to share and truly see each other, even across the globe, as siblings in Christ or, or as siblings yes. to share with. Is there enough beer for everyone of that? There's not enough beer for me in my glass, but I'm I'm going slow. <laughs> I'm just saying question. that. That's the question. But there is, I think, here, um, you know, this really clashes because I think there's this notion, especially in Western nations, that you know, you are ultimately responsible for everything that you have. Um, and so create something out of nothing. But this passage says you you can't create something out of nothing, that actually it's the responsibility of the haves to provide, and this is a bad pun, but seed money or like seed seed necessities to get somebody started. To provide like, opportunity. If exactly. And so it's yeah. saying, look, I mean, at the very least, even the poorest among you aren't going hungry. Like take care of the most basic needs. And then from there, your, your, your poor have a base from which to work. But so often we refuse to give people that base or we'll give them the base, but only if there's some kind of power dynamic that is, that is different. Right. So like, so mm-hmm. we'll offer charity, but we get to control the charity. And like, that also is not present here. It's not, um, please distribute your food. It's right. leave it and let, let them exercise their own power. There is a dignity. They, you know, there's a dignity. Yes. That is present. Yes. And so the, the economic impacts of this go beyond just, Let's make sure there's enough for all. Certainly that's true, but how we get to enough for all is tucked underneath of this. And it's about protecting dignity and it's about making sure basic needs are met so that folks then have have an energy and enough resources to create a life for themselves. And I think that's an important point, Sam, that like in this text, this test, text isn't asking you to not make your living or to not feed your family, right? It's, it's exactly. asking you to harvest, but not to be greedy in your harvest, right? That, that God has given you an abundance enough to share. Like, we're not talking about your family starving so that someone else, right? That's the slippery slope argument that we go down. And, you know, and, and I, I really, um, we're going we're gonna to switch. If you're, um, if you're a pub theology uh, convener that got the questions. These questions are not in your um, questions of the week. So if you're listening for that purpose, <laughs> sorry. Um, but you may want to bring this up to your your conversations this week. But so 
I, we, Derek and I on, on Saturday, um, we, I needed to mourn, right? We needed to mourn the passing of um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and I ugly cried. I mean, no joke for more than an hour on Friday night. Like I, I couldn't stop sobbing. And I, I, I realized how much like just hope was wrapped up in this woman for me, you know, in so many ways. But we re we re we watched her the um, RBG uh, documentary on Hulu on Saturday, mm -hmm. and it and it um, it talked about the second case she went she took in front of the Supreme Court, and it hits on what you just said. The second case she took in front of the Supreme Court was the case where a husband had lost his wife um, during childbirth, and. If a, if a woman lost her husband and had a baby, she would get survivor's benefits from Social Security, right? But because he was a man, he couldn't get survivor's benefits. And so she took this case that was discrimination and it was heard in a new way because it was a man being discriminated against, right? Yeah. And so what you had just talked about with gleaning about like, about it's the haves that need to need to speak up, need to have opportunity, need to provide for the have-nots. That's how she got through, right? It wasn't the first case she brought to the Supreme Court, which was about a woman not receiving equal rights. It was the second case that really changed legislation. Yeah. And and in a lot of ways, like it's it's exactly what we're talking about. Like there is enough for everyone, right? There are enough rights for everyone in this. Okay, that's my soapbox. I'm getting off of it. <laughs> <laughs> stand proud, woman, stand proud. Uh, the other, so the other piece of this also is how does one realize one's true abundance and connection mm -hmm. with an abundant universe, an abundant God, and that's to give. That is like the first rule of any uh like like abundance teaching of, of being in the flow if you feel that you're lacking something and you want to shift that go give because when you got to go find something to give no matter who you are no matter what status you are you will always find something to give and then you always realize how much you have and how hashtag blessed you are and then it starts the flow of of circulation so so this verse that's why i say this is a great abundance teachings verse this verse speaks to that you've got to give and 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 given connects you with not just the people you're given to but it connects you to yourself it yeah. opens your heart yeah and it, and it and it allows you to be in a place of receiving more we get in this victim mentality of how the world has mistreated us no matter whether we are poor or whether we are rich when we give it kind of shifts shifts that a lot and i think that's that's something that we don't see enough of uh, uh as well and i've been really fortunate so like um you know we've at, at my church like many other churches we have said to folks like you know the food banks are running low we need you to donate food and groceries and we'll collect them and so on like go go see what you have in your pantry that you know if you got four cans of tuna like give us one and you know we'll send it on and like it blew my mind how many people like went out and bought fresh groceries right. and we're showing up with like trunk loads 
of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is what it's all about. And they felt and it gave a sense of like, you know, I don't want to say hope, but 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 at a time when people are were just feeling so helpless with this COVID thing and stuck at home and so on, it gave them a reason to be motivated again and felt like they were contributing and 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 helping those who had less and uh, were more unfortunate. So so this this verse speaks a whole lot of whole lot of things. It yeah. does. Yeah. And and I and like let's not remember we're talking also about national realities, right. you know, mm-hmm. and the yeah, gives a, a, I don't want to say the right, that's our language, not necessarily the language of this text, but like this language gives permission for a nation to mandate generosity. Yeah. That it, it, like God is not asking at, to give out of the goodness of one's heart. It said, "Do not, do not do this." And so, so there is there there is a sense in which the nation, because be, out out of an obligation that comes from faith and out of understanding that we have received an abundance. Remember, all of the land underneath is gift, and like Israel's number one issue is they kept forgetting that gift. <laughs> but so you have received this gift. We're allowed to mandate how this gift then gets distributed. It cares for you, but it's also intended to care for someone else. And so the economic impact of that reflection alone is interesting as we think about, you know, how do we engage in these national conversations? Like, and, and we're, we're neck deep in the middle of one and will be for quite some time through the election and beyond. Um, so was it a gift or more like a theft? Cause we had to kill a bunch of people to get it. Well, I'm just saying, Hey, d- just, no, I hear you. Just I read hear the you. Bible. I mean, just reading what's there. Just that question's not on the thing, so I wasn't ready to answer that one. I mean, I, I, yes, right. Like, I mean, our greatest sin is to claim land and say this is mine, right? right. Like, yes. that's 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 the sin. Um, and and as opposed to the gift, right? As opposed to, and we're not talking about a family inheritance gift. We're talking about going back to that global sense of enough and you know why why i think i i mean even the idea of land ownership right or owning my own house or i own it outright like what is what does that even mean you know like it it's all it's all just this relative it means the bank may not show up one day because i didn't make a payment that's exactly i mean that's what it means (laughs) right like like really (laughs) Um, but it, but these are these are laws of the land versus the laws of God, and that. And by the way, by the way, why is the party that touts itself as the as the God party always trying to remove the uh, mm. you know support programs? Rhetorical question. No one needs to answer that. I'm not. I'm going to move on. I know, I know Fra- that was not on the on the question sheet either. <laughs> welcome to pub theology, Sam. Welcome. Yeah. Man, welcome. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> So framed on the wall, on the wall of her chamber at the Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg kept a quote from Deuteronomy with three Hebrew words in beautiful calligraphy. Do any of you um, know these words? I, I'm going to butcher them, I think. If, if only Eli were here with us today, you would know them. I, I did um, independent study Hebrew. I'm not going to be much help. <laughs> tzik, tzik, tordolf, I think. Justice, justice, you shall pursue. In the larger passage from which these three words are taken, the author has just outlined the sacred festivals of Israel, starting with Passover and the other two, um, now seamlessly turns to the judicial system. Here's the larger quote. You must not distort justice. You must not show partiality. 
You must not accept bribes, for a bribe binds the, blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of those who are right. Justice, justice you shall pursue. So, Again, the party of God. Sorry. The party of- <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm done. That's the last so, one. So do you think that um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's quest for equality was rooted in this sense of biblical justice? And how does this text agree or disagree with your view? I'm going to, I'm going to say, um, I, um, I guess there's a thin line between rooted by and inspired by, mm. but um, definitely inspired by, um, by, by, by these teachings. Um, and I will, I will guess that that's, that's, that was the North star for her um, as, as well as she was, you know, cause I've seen some, I've seen some documentaries, I've heard her speak. Um, she doesn't make a whole lot of direct references to, you know, her Jewish upbringing education wise and Bible and stuff. But the fact that it's there in a room tells me that there's, there's, there's that connection to it. Um, so I would, I would say yes, because ultimately it, 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 in, in, in my belief system, everything it come, ultimately comes back to God, you know, mm-hmm. whether overtly or, or subtly, it's all coming back to and connected to God. And justice is as well. And we've not perverted, might be too strong a word because it's real a relative subjective opinion, but we have definitely distorted what justice means. And um, over the millennia, yeah. over the decades, you know, over the centuries. Um, but if there was one thing she was very good at, and to the point that you made earlier and about her second case, she she was clear that justice was indeed blind. Like right. it didn't matter if you were a man, it didn't matter if you were a woman. It was what about it was about what's right here. Um, and we can't let these random factors influence. We gotta. We have to pursue the justice. We have to do what's right and seek what's right. And I believe that was the lens through which she viewed the Constitution um, as well. Yeah, I think I. I think we don't do as as um, as Christians. I don't think we do as good of a job as our um, Jewish or our Islamic brothers and sisters or siblings do with with justice right um we have to have a caveat with justice right food justice or social justice or racial justice like there has to be this this um it has to be specific qualifier qualifier thank you whereas they and and this is just my experience in studying um and and friendships that i've had they have a a broader view a bigger view of justice and what is good law and what is not good law and and how we treat one another justly um that i that i think we could really learn from to be honest um you know sam you 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 know a lot of your language is justice language but um and and that's yeah. there's not a but like these are all good those qualifiers are good but no, there sure. doesn't have to be a qualifier is kind of what I want to say yeah and and that's what I was saying before is that I mean the the qualifier is is the qualifier is marketing 
It's like, I, hey, here's this thing that you're interested in, you know, so it, it draws you into the conversation. But every time we want to talk about food justice, we talk about racial justice. Every time we talk about justice, we talk about LGBTQ issues. Every time we talk about justice, we talk about poverty um, and economic issues. Like it never stops. And so, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, the qualifier is kind of meaningless. It's just in this, in this culture, there has to be a hook. And so food is something that we're interested in being, you know, in, in having conversations about. I mean, we have whole channels about this stuff. So obviously there is some, there's some marketing genius in that. And, and that, that, that says something that we have to market our understandings of justice. Um, but yeah, absolutely. They're all connected and require a larger worldview than the church has often been willing to create. Yeah. I think it's really um, interesting that like, I mean, the, the people are brought out of Israel, right? They're, and this is, this is the foundational story, like, of, of Israel, of, of really of Christianity, right? The foundation, like, I am the Lord your God. Like, you are a foreign, like, remember the foreigner because you were once foreign in, in a foreign land, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is over and over and over again. And, like, the first thing we get after they're in the wilderness is the law. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what, like, and so... Yes, of course, freedom, liberation, um, faith, understanding is immediately followed by the law in our scripture text, right? The law is 11 verses before this. And so, so it's, it's not hard to marry the two, but I, I do think we've, we've done a lot of separating that, you know, I mean, a, progressive Christians, particularly, um, we talk about how divided we are, right? And what really we're all pursuing is that image of justice, that image of, of uh, Ogan, Ogan has an issue. <laughs> no, no issue. Question. I'm wondering, is, is that because of when our founding fathers um, established the so-called separation of church and state, they they were like here's the laws we will create to govern each other but we're not establishing any like state religion so even though the laws were sort of you know based in judeo-christian ideals it's like we're we are on the surface gonna make a clear distinction that we're not we're not gonna associate them with any particular religion or anything right but here's the laws and as well, a result do we do we centuries later are like, you know, I don't know that this that. is a uniquely American Christian problem though. Right. Like, I mean, we're seeing this all over Europe We're, you know, I, I think this is, this is a Christian problem, not so much in a, a Western American Christian problem. Okay. I um, so I, I like, um, my ex-husband is a lawyer, right. And, and when he first started out in law, he was a, um, he was a public defender. And on Fridays, on Public Defender Friday, uh, it was Domestic Violence Day in court. And he would come home from work and he would start to tell me about his day. Wait, sorry. I got, sorry. So they only heard those cases on Friday? So Friday, there were like days of the, yeah. so Monday, Monday was like prostitute day. Um, because everybody got busted over the weekend. Wow. This <laughs> no, is the kind wow. of content I come to this podcast for. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was a thing. It was a thing. So Friday, yes, Fridays, they heard domestic violence cases. So he would come home from work and like 
obviously we're not married anymore. So there's some issues, but like <laughs> he would come home from work and be like, I kept six people out of jail today. And I was like, whoa, what just stop. Like I, I need to not hear about domestic violence day, right? Like I need to not hear about your work day because my first question is, should those people have been kept out of jail, right? Like, right. good for you for doing your job. I understand. I agree. The police should follow the law. And if they did something wrong, blah, blah, blah. Like, people shouldn't go to jail for that. But, like, if people are beating their wives and children, yeah. they should not be around their wives and children anymore. Like Keeping domestic abusers out of jail is not the lead boast. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, exactly. So... And put I said, the, put that and in I mean, the put that in the real fine print of your resume, like on and the. And he was third just page. seriously. He was seriously like, "Well, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you about my day." And I was like, "And and I remember this so vividly." And I said, "You and I have two very different definitions of justice." Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I think that that's part of this, right? Like, the law of our land is not a biblical view of justice, right? A biblical view of justice is is um, jubilee year, right? And mm -hmm. gleaming, and do all of this this very um, generous giving. What's yours isn't really yours, and let's it's it's a redistribution of wealth, right? Like that's justice in the Bible, not our law of the land view of justice. Well, yeah. I mean, justice in the Bible is also stoning people to death. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean, I'm no, glad no, no. some, I'm glad some of it's no longer biblical. Anymore. <laughs> and and 100% and we should improve on those laws, but like, but I do love the idea of being guided. I, I do like the idea of being guided in at the highest level of the court. Um, not just by like, you know, your faith that you stomp into the ground. Right. But like, this idea of it's justice you shall pursue yep. and that has a different definition mm -hmm. that has and, a definition of equality and this passage um you know really speaks to some it speaks to the issue of power that is inherent in executing justice mm -hmm. and it's asking us to be really mindful of that which we fail to do all the time um right. you simply do not acknowledge the power dynamics and because we don't acknowledge the power dynamics it 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 sort of by nature the people who are in power distort justice so this is this is a direct a direct commandment to those who have power because power is not power is not good or bad it just is um mm -hmm. you know and there's there's no system that gets around that i mean even our relationship to the creator has a has power dynamics as part of it um but it's saying, please be aware of those power dynamics and execute those power. You have power for responsibilities. Execute that power um, justly as much as you can, which is why, you know, you get the please do not accept bribes. Please, right. you know, please don't do all that because that is going to distort justice. So it's not asking us to create justice. That's like, like there's already a justice thing that's going on. Right. We are not supposed to create it. It's that we are we are supposed to maintain it by being aware of the power dynamics that happen. Um, and your story about you know how our legal system works, and I got somebody awful that 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 speaks to power and right. and and we reward power in this country, and we and and 
and we punish powerlessness, which if, if we're going to talk about biblical justice is a real problem for us right. because that is not what biblical justice does. We just read where there are, ex there are exceptions, indeed gifts, and there is abundance that is set aside for the poor. So the scripture gives it to us completely upside down. It's, it's requiring us who are in power to pay attention to those dynamics. Yeah. And I think, I, I really think we, it's given to us so many times because of the just innate human nature, um, the ability to abuse that power, right? Yep. As you said, power just is, but, but it is just something about that. It is our abuse of it. Yeah. Um, and I would say for me, like that's, that is one of the things that has come to mind for me as I've reflected on RBG's life, um, is that, um, like my journey to sort of where, where this conversation is at has, is relatively short, like full, full confession. I actually never voted for Obama. I'm not sure if you've ever had somebody like, like that's You're where I was. the show. I was going to say, right? how are you like, on this show? But that's where I was like. Shannon, you got to do a better what, job of then, betting the candidates. I know. I did Seriously. not bet the candidates well. What? I know. Yeah, my bad. So, yeah, you might want to cut that out because I'd like to be on other people's shows. You know I'm black, right? Just <laughs> but, you can see me. Does Derek because, know this? He's going to edit this and he might. Like, <laughs> that's right. But so, much, but so much, you know, so much of that journey was about being in a place where I, you know, was about being in a rural community where we worked really hard for what we had. And I'm not saying other people don't do that. Just my experience was of working really hard. Um, and so, yeah, so my mindset was, yeah, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. It was, and it was always being, it was always blind to the issues of power. Like it never occurred to me, mm -hmm. even though we had to work our tails off on a farm, that my grandparents owned a farm and my parents got to rent that farm. They had access to land. Like right. that in and of itself is significant power in a country that so values land ownership and values capital. And so as I, as that started to become real to me, um, what R, RGB, yeah, R, RGB did. I know, it's so hard, I can't, RBG. I cannot keep that acronym in my head. No. Um, what she did in terms of ha a person of incredible power as a lawyer, long before she hit the Supreme Court, like to be a lawyer and to be that level of lawyer is, a, is an incredible amount of power. But taking up the cause of the powerless and being unbelievably creative. I mean, the story you shared about taking up, you know, finally we have this from a viewpoint of a man, and that is ultimately what showed us the issues around, you know, those issues around women. Um, to use that power um, on behalf of those, I don't wanna say powerless, because I believe we all have power and we all have in, inherent dignity, but there's a, a localized powerlessness that yeah. we don't recognize we the power of others. Um, her taking the disenfranchised that yeah I mean, thank you thank you, you. That's i think a, that's, that's a good word. word you know um rgb's mission to do that like okay now i understand why there's so much invested in this woman and i understand why there's so much hope and why now there's so much concern about that voice being lost because in our country right now power is always and everywhere applied to one's best interests and we simply don't have the same kind of examples um of somebody using power on behalf of the disenfranchised or potentially the powerless. And that's what terrifies us because we all know at some point we will be powerless and who will speak for us. And, and so that's where I'm having this revelation about what her life meant. My only regret is that it's 
after her passing, you know, and, 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 you know, as, as she was towards the end of her term and starting to understand what she meant to so many. Yeah. Um, you know, better late than never. And, and, and she, and <laughs> no, I mean that seriously, she, no, that right. that's her thing. Let my life and in more recently her death, uh, inspire, yeah. you know, uh, because, because the changes that she is made because of her work in, in our legal system are going to transcend her life yeah. time-wise and, and gain in power. The other thing, gain in power is like winning the lottery. It shows you who the person really is. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is so interesting to me. So I'm tagging this on at the end. Um, I, I, full disclosure, I, I am, um, you know, I'm working on my doctorate and I'm in the middle of writing a paper right now on um, difficult conversations and given our political climate. And um, I'm using three conversations that Jesus had that were difficult and how, what we can learn from them and how we can use them. So wait. So, I'd just like to point out that we give Brian a hard time for his campaign questions working their way into our script. And apparently now your grad work is. No, 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 no. But I, so. Fair. <laughs> saying, just, just saying. Yeah, but that's okay. That's how you're my, setting this up. My work is way more interesting. Um, so here we go. Then you're, then you're good. That's then how you're it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. So from their time together on the U.S. Court of Appeals in the 80s, by the way, until his passing in 2016, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Scalia were really good friends. They couldn't be more different political um, or in their judicial rulings, yet they found friendship in their mutual love of opera and growing up in New York. Friendships like these feel impossible in today's climate. In an op-ed for the Washington Post, Scalia's son, Eugene, commented on their friendship. What we can learn from the justices, though, beyond how to be a friend, is how to welcome debate and differences. The two justices had central roles in addressing some of the most divisive issues of the day, including cases on abortion, same-sex marriage, and who would be president. Not for one moment did one think the other should be condemned or ostracized. More than that, they believed that what they were doing arriving at their own opinion thoughtfully and advancing them vigorously was essential to the national good. With less debate, their friendship would have been diminished and so they believed would our democracy. And so my question is like, have we lost the ability, the ability to debate and remain friends? And I really, I just say this, like, I think this is the question on people's minds. Like, do we have to stop being friends? So, so the key word in there is debate, mm -hmm. right? Because the, I believe as two people who were rooted in not this, their love of opera and all things New York, but in the constitution and the law itself, right? they can they could have a conversation and present their points from both factual and and grounded places that's debate what we've many of us have fallen into is mudslinging and insults and stuff like that you know uh recent recently i've i've had a long conversation with someone who 
says they are going to vote for Trump, which blew my mind because as long as I've known them, this comes as a surprise, right? But at, at some point, the conversations were getting kind of terse. And this person's like, you can't convince me, you're brainwashed, all that sort of stuff. And I was like, well, well, hold on. Right. We don't have to start with the name, Colin. I am not telling you who to vote for or that you should vote for one, you should vote for Biden. I said, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't think either of them should be our presidential nominees, right? <laughs> right. I mean, how did, how did we get here? <laughs> it's the question. I said, but we have to remember that regardless of who is on the ballot, we're really voting for the what. We're voting for policies because the day after the election, whoever wins is going to be trying to advance their policies, change the laws according to how they think the law should be and how the country should show up and what we should do. So we're voting for the what, not the who. So let's bring this conversation back to the what. Right. And when that happened, because that person was actually willing to do that, then we had a better discourse. We had a better debate. We had a better conversation. We are still friends. We're still friends to the point that recently uh, another mutual friend had to go in the hospital for brain surgery. And it's like, can you, can you hold this person in prayer? Can, you, can mm-hmm. you just hold space for the recovery? And that person is, of course. And then they're checking in with me and asking. So we still had that going on. No, but, and I think but we, I, get, we get sidetracked. We, we've been sidetracked by the show. Of, yeah. of what's on the surface um, and, and all the crazy things, you know, one of them saying or the other them saying or what, what party stands for. And then, you know, we got, we, got, we got the Russians fueling the fire with all their proper, you know, you know and, and, and this and people are putting up the weird, weird yard signs and stuff. And we get distracted by all that and forget that it's about the what and can we have a conversation about the what and realize that the what's going to affect all of us regardless of who we voted for so can that's debated and i think well, we've lost the art of right. debating i mean so i think i think you're right like one is these two people they were rooted in knowing how to debate right that was their i mean that's really their occupation is to yeah. argue so they, there were parameters, there were rules about that. And I think that's important that there's parameters and there's rules so that you don't lead to this place of, you should never be ostracized for your beliefs. You should never be condemned for your, and yet at the same, I mean, and yet I sit here going, some people's beliefs are complete contradiction to, you know, Good sense and logic. Hashtag Q and on. Not okay. Not just good sense and logic because that yes, but like it's it's that you know what's the what's the kind of meme saying that goes around? Oh, I hate it when I do this and then I can't quote. Are it, you thinking like, we don't have an opinion, a difference of opinion? We have a difference of morality. Yes. Yeah, because right? that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I look at this relationship and I'm like they had a huge difference of morality. How did how did you get back past that? Like, and I don't know that I can. I don't know that I'm that big of a person. I can't help but reflect, though, that they're both Supreme Court justices. And what that means is that, like, you don't get to be a Supreme Court justice by being an idiot. At least, you know, like, and so I 
I wonder if there's a certain amount of professional ability to say, okay, like who I'm dealing with is an equal. And I wonder mm -hmm. if that is sometimes the issue is that we don't look at one another mm. as equals, as having Bingo. something to contribute. Um, it goes back to, to basic human dignity until we actually look at one another with dignity and, and believe that somebody has something to offer us. Yeah. But, but we're, we're so ready to say, I have something to offer you, but are much slower to say, you might have something to offer us. Um, Which actually, that goes back to the gleaning, right? Like that goes back to the like, I don't, if I'm in the position to offer you something, then that makes me feel comfortable. And exactly. I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm perfectly fine being the generous one. Yeah. I'm not okay to be in the position of being the one in need, yes. right? And so, yes, exactly. I think and, you're so and, on. And but so, your... I mean, so this, this I think is a really unique situation that you have two, I mean, brilliant legal minds. I mean, it's fascinating to put them against one another and just kind of watch them, you know, watch their watch their jurisprudence play out um, just as a, as a student of law, which I am not. Um, but, you know, just, to, just as, a, as an observer. Um, but I think there was, there, there was an equality there that is lacking elsewhere in most of our discourse. And um, a mutual respect for each other's ability to argue the point. Exactly. Right? Yeah. There, there's that as well. But I still feel that caveat of there are that doesn't mean that anything goes like right. and that's where like that's and that's where I think our morality and our conversations are shaped more by algorithms than they are by actual conversation. And yeah. I have concerns about that and I have no idea how to combat that because I mean, using Christian language, my people are discipled by Facebook far more than they are discipled by their. Yes. I actually, I think that's terrifying. Very, very and I don't know true. what to do about that. I really, yeah. really don't. And the, the, my best answer is we'll try to try to play into the algorithms and just keep posting stuff. And that, that has not been, that has not been effective. Let's it's put not it. Helpful. There's, not, there's not enough of you out there. To, no, not enough no. of you there. You got to have a, uh, like a serious yeah. bot farm to change that equation. Yeah. But, but I, I think, am, I, go ahead, but Sarah. I'm getting, I mean, I'm getting text. I don't know about you guys. I mean, you both serve in congregations or at least have, you know, communities around you. And like, I'm getting texts on a regular basis. Like, I don't think my sister's going to talk to me anymore. Like we haven't been able to communicate like, you know, I mean, I'm getting this regularly that like yeah. we have such a difference of opinion that we don't even know how to talk to each other anymore. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's very, so what's interesting about this op-ed and I, it's in the Washington post and you can look it up. Um, it, he talks about how like, all these people go around saying, well, if we, if, if the people on the right and the left were just friends with each other, he's like, do not learn that lesson from these people. Like my, like my dad and, and her, that is not the lesson to learn. What the lesson to learn is, is that healthy, like they knew how to debate. They did it in a healthy way. And they, they saw each other as human beings in the world. Mm -hmm. But also it goes, I think they demonstrated for us Ultimately, what is the what is most important and what is most important is being in relationship with each other, being friends, being family, loving each other, back to the whole feels thing. And if you can't each other. do that, at least see each other as an equal, right? Right. At least but give that, the respect. But but. But what I'm saying is, if you put that up as this is the North Star, this is the most important thing, different views are secondary, then you view your debates, arguments through that lens, not, 
and what we've what I think we've come to the place where our political affiliation, our belief about whatever or whoever is more important than maintaining a relationship. If maintaining the relation, I'm reading the doing a talk series right now in a book. It's called Spiritual Partnership uh, by Gary Zukov. And he talks about if we are in spiritual partnership together, we are uh, we are equals, back to that equal thing, we're equals who are here to support each other in spiritual growth. And what spiritual growth means is that we are uh, locating and healing the frightened parts of ourselves. And as spiritual partners, our role is to trigger the frightened parts of each other and then support each other in healing those parts, right? Because, but the lens is, the, 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 the main thing is supporting each other in spiritual growth. What happens, what happens is within that context. I feel like for our BG and Scalia, the, 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 the overarching thing is we friends. So you're Sam, to your point, Sam, Supreme Court, very small club. Yes. Right. You know, and they let in people so infrequently, except, you know, in Trump's presidency where they're just like, <laughs> whatever. Um, but that once you get in that club and you're there for life, it's a very small club. There are very few people who rise to that level of, of intellect, of jurisprudence. And, and so it's like we're in this together. So we wouldn't have gotten here to your point unless there's certain achievements under belt, there's a certain sense of intellect, a certain understanding of the Constitution and the law. So for them, the friendship, I feel, was the context, was, was the main thing through which, even when they were of different opinions, even if you want to say different moralities, whatever, that was the lens through which they viewed and had all their discussions. And therefore, nothing was about, I am trying to one up you, make you wrong, get the better of you, knock you down. It's about we are two friends. And no matter our views and opinions, we're going to keep it in that context and understand that we can both be friends. We can both be connected, have different views and different points. So right now, for example, uh, my, my mother-in-law, fairly 99% sure she doesn't listen to this show. Love her dearly. <laughs> Love her dearly. Awesome grandmother to my daughter. By the way, my daughter turns 20 today. Happy birthday, Joy. Oh, it's Happy Joy's birthday. birthday. I am the parent of a 20-year-old. Oh, uh, just again. Blowing, blowing my mind. Anyways, <laughs> stay safe in Chicago, honey. Love you. Uh, so my grandmother, uh, my her grandmother. Her my, grandma. My, my mother-in-law she is she is part of that you know just posting the ridiculous stuff on facebook right yeah much of much of is not fact so what i've taken it upon myself to do because i they used to be in the whole like just don't there listen that's your wife that's your late wife's family that's your that's your child's grandmother just they get a pass (laughs) leave them alone but now i'm like you know what have your beliefs about religion, have your beliefs about ador- about abortion. I'm not trying to change your mind about those, but let's be responsible in what we share on online. Right. Don't share that ridiculous debunked video that they yeah. did about Planned Parenthood years ago that's been debunked over and over and saying this is still a real thing. Like, no, you know, share responsibly. So, so for me, that's where I'm coming from, right? Have your views, have your opinions, vote for someone different from whom I'm voting for, but let's be responsible participants in the process, not just spew the 
propaganda and the hatred and the stuff that separates us. Let's not be intentionally inflammatory. That's not responsible. That's not helping us stay connected. We don't have to have all the same views. That's boring. That's not, and and different views is what helps us uh, noodle through our own views and, 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 and refine them and tweak them. So I'm glad there are people who have different views than I am, but that doesn't mean we have to be enemies and hate each other. Yeah. And again, it goes, it goes back to that idea of you even, right. You shouldn't be, um, even if I'm accusing you of having a different morality than me, right. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm accusing you of that, like, that doesn't mean that I suddenly get to like knock you down to subhuman level. Right. Exactly. Like yeah. I have Jesus to dying hold my, with the tax collectors. I have to yeah. hold my integrity in this as well. Right. And that, I mean, right. Ultimately that's the responsibility that we have is we can only do what we can do yeah. on our side of the conversation, you know? And, um, and, and this only, this only, this doesn't eliminate the fact that we sometimes have to say hard things to one another. Absolutely. Like, you know, like, yeah. and, and that's, you know, that's wrapped up in this concept of friendship is often, you know, often, with this baggage that comes with it that shouldn't that doesn't necessarily need to be there well for friends we have to be nice to one another like my yeah. my, my my best friends in the world are people we can knock it we can you know yeah i mean i think each other out working hard through these things but have have something else you know that 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 will unite us and so like that essence of like a good and productive friendship you know a, a right. and as Ogan, you were describing a friendship that moves us forward where we can do the hard stuff, um, I think is essential. And that's, I, that's, that's what we're scared to death of. Exactly. We're scared of the difficult conversations. One of the things that the, the book plug in this book uh, again is, is we are afraid that saying the difficult thing is going to ruin the intimacy of the connection. That's the actual thing that makes the intimacy. That's the thing that makes the intimacy. How, how flimsy right. is our intimacy? If that's, right. right. If that's exactly. Our fear. I want yeah. my friends to hold me to the fire. I want my friends to call me out on my BS. I want my friends to point out when I'm drinking too much of my own Kool-Aid. If you're not doing that, then you, you, you don't need to be in my friend circle. You're not a friend. You're a sycophant. I don't want you. Right. Yeah. I, you know, keep me humble. And right. let's have these discussions. But remember, what's more important at the end of the day is loving each other. Yes. Amen. I'm off my soapbox. Rant All right. Out. So a big thank you to our guest, Sam Chamberlain. Well done. <laughs> uh, Why don't you just say my friend Sam? Uh, <laughs> God help me. Don't, don't work like, so seriously, hard. Seriously, Derek and so I went hard. over it like six times last night. Um, <laughs> my friend Sam. <laughs> That's what I'm calling him from now on. I ain't gonna even. I'm not even gonna try. You know, you know. Here's the thing. Your your last name isn't even hard. It's like about getting in your head about it, right? It is. Yeah. Something in your head that's like, I don't know how to say this. You know, and then you freak out. Anyway, check out the Food and Faith podcast and visit thekeepandtill.org for more information on innovative ministry in Carroll County, uh, Maryland. For those of you not around this area. Shout out. <laughs> We'd like to thank the originator of originator of Pub Theology who came up with half of our crazy questions, Brian Burkhoff, and our producer, Derek Weston. Connect and spread the word on social media. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Watch us on YouTube TV, um, Facebook, Instagram TV. Sign up at patreon.com slash PT Live for more content. 
If you are interested in finding or creating a pub theology in your town, um, you can go to pubtheology.com slash directory for more information. A, a socially distant. A socially distance. We are still encouraging social distance um, pub theology. So. There you go. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.